All right, friends, let's go. Hey, this morning, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different than we uh, normally do here at Flourishing Grace. So we are in this series, uh, not really a series, but we've called it, it's a whole new initiative for us here. It's called the Path of Flourishing. Um, And so I want to real quick, before we dive into this, if you have been gone, maybe this is your first time ever here, maybe you've missed a few weeks, I want to challenge you to go online. Uh, Two weeks ago, we kicked this off September 8th. I want you to go online and listen to the sermon from September 8th. It's actually really important. Um, There's a lot of things that we're going to be getting into uh, over the next few weeks and even this morning that if you uh, kind of have not been here, you're not kind of tracking along, uh, it's not that you're going to be like, oh, this, this... this I'm missing out, but there's going to be some things that I really think are going to be beneficial to you if you kind of understand the full picture, and we can't unpack it every single time. So I unpacked it last week. I unpacked it the week before. Go back and listen to September 8th. Uh, what we're going to do is if kind of for each one of these buckets, so the path of flourishing, uh, we've kind of created this thing. We said, hey, we want to lead people into flourishing relationships with Jesus. How do we do that? What does that actually look like? And so we've created this thing called the Path of Flourishing. Now, it's nothing new. There's nothing in here that um, is kind of revolutionary. But we're just kind of trying to package it for you so that you can say, okay, here's the things in my life that I am actively working on in order to experience the flourishing, the life that Jesus has on offer. We talked about that last week and the week before. Jesus again and again and again says, man, I'm the bread of life. If you knew who you're talking to, you would have asked me, and I would have given you living water, right? I I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, again and again and again. He says, man, I have life on offer, and we want you to experience that life. And so we're going to talk about each one of these buckets, right? The buckets are, um, real quick, I'm not going to get into them. We've we've talked about them in in the past two weeks. Um, But by um, beholding Jesus, by following Jesus, by becoming like Jesus, and by community, we're going to experience the life that Jesus has on Offer. And so this morning, we're going to wade deeper into by beholding Jesus. But it's going to be different than we normally do. Normally at Flourishing Grace, we have a text, and we'll kind of unpack that text, and we'll, we'll walk through an entire book of the Bible. All summer long, we were in the book of Acts. And now we've kind of launched into this. And so every, every kind of third week, as we open up these buckets, we're just going to take one week just to get really, really super practical together. And we're just going to kind of, it's more of, a, more of a talk than a sermon. Just how do we practically behold Jesus in our lives, okay? And so that's really what I want to do this morning is just get super practical with you. Just say, what are the practices that we need to implement in our lives and to be, in order to be people who behold Jesus from the moment our eyes open in the morning to the, they close at night? How do we become people who behold Jesus? Jesus, who abide in him, who are attached to the vine, who are attached to the source of flourishing. All right? Uh, last week, I climbed King's Peak. King's Peak is the highest uh, point in Utah, for those of you who are maybe new to Utah. Um, it's the second time I've done it. Um, and I did it in two days with my buddy Brett. And I thought that was pretty good. Uh, the first time I did it, uh, some of you might have even been there the first time I did it. Uh, the first time I did it, we did it in three days. And then I did it in two days. I thought, hey, that's, that's pretty good. Um, and this, both times I've done it, something, something really strange has happened on the summit of King's Peak. Both times, the same exact experience, both times. 
Uh, the first time I, I climbed King's Peak, uh, I, it, was, it, was, it was a stormy day, right? I said we did it in three days. And our summit day, because uh, it, was, it was this rainy, stormy day. And when we got to the summit, it was snowing. Uh, it was, the wind was blowing. It was freezing cold. We had down coats on, uh, long pants, boots. We got our backpacks on with all of our food and uh, extra gear and supplies that we might need because it's so, so cold. And there's no real path up King's Peak. If you've ever done it, you know, uh, kind of it's a 26-mile round-trip endeavor. Um, and, the, and kind of at about mile 9, mile 10, the path ends. Um, and you are left to kind of find your way up this mountain. And so you're kind of climbing hands and feet, bouldering up over these big rocks. Um, and so there's, there's snow on the ground. It's cold. It's freezing. And the same thing happened this time where it snowed, but it was snowed the day before. And so it was, a, it was a beautiful day, but it was still pretty chilly. And there's a lot of snow on the ground. So we got our waterproof boots on. We got our pants on. We're like all of our gear. We're ready to rock. I got a fleece on because it's chilly. I got my beanie on. I get to the top. Me and my buddy Brett, we get there, and both times, both times, the first time I did it when it was snowing, and the second time I did it where there's, there's snow on the ground, we're walking through snow, the same thing happens. We're at the top, and we're like, hey, nice, this is awesome, like, this is really good, we, we made it. And out of nowhere, this crazy, like, mountain goat creature appears, <laughs> known as an ultra-marathon trail runner. Like, out of nowhere, like, we can see. Like, you look back in the valley, and there's no one anywhere for miles. And all of a sudden, this guy, hey, hey, guys, how's it going? Taps the summit and keeps going. Like, what in the world? Where did you? And he's in shorts and tennis shoes. Where did you come from, man? How did you get here? And how are you not dead? And this time, uh, the guy uh, was with two other buddies, and they were like a little bit behind him. So the first time, literally, it's snowing. The guy shows up, he taps the summit and keeps on going. He's going to like keep bagging more peaks, which is insane to me. Uh, this time, the guy is with his buddies, and so he actually stops for a minute. Um, and uh, he's waiting for his two friends to kind of catch up, because they're like not like hardcore ultra, apparently. He's like... Mountain goat, he, they're like mountain sheep. Um, and so he stops and waits for his buddies. He's like, hey guys, how's it going? And I look at him, I'm like, how are you not freezing? He's like, oh, I got hot a little while back. I took my layers off. I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> I looked right at him, I said, I hate you. And he laughs, he thinks it's funny because he doesn't think I'm serious, but I'm dead serious. I'm like, I, I loathe you right now. Like, you are, I thought I was so cool. I'm doing this in two days. I'm a man. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh. Uh, I'm not at all, like, I'm not at all, like, this guy, but at the same time, okay, I, mean, I hate him, at the same time, I kind of have, like, a crush on him, okay, like, there's, like, a man crush going on, like, that's impressive, and I get it in my mind, I think, all of a sudden, I think, I could do that, I could do that, and I begin to process this, and then, so, on the way down, I try to keep up with these guys, um, I got a full pack on, I got all this gear, and I'm like, trying to, as hard as I can to like, keep up with them. I'm like, and they just keep gaining and gaining and gaining ground. I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys are incredible. And so I get home and I begin to like research this. I'm like, okay, I gotta get these sweet tennis shoes, they're like waterproof, and they have these like dorky vests, like these hydration vests that they're like, like drinking out of on the way. I'm like, I gotta get one of those. And I'm like, start looking at all this gear, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into this. And I begin to research all of the things that they have to do in, act in order to actually accomplish this. Like, these guys are running like hundreds of miles. They're insane. They're crazy. And they get up at like 
4 a.m. in the freezing cold to do this? And I'm like, oh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Here's where I'm going with this. Um, as, we, as we begin to talk about the practices of the Christian life, okay, um, and the, this is, there's different words for this, there's different language around this. Um, spiritual disciplines is probably a really popular one. Have you, have you guys heard of spiritual disciplines? Okay, most of you. Um, uh, the, the old reformers, they called it the means of grace, the means of grace. Now, that they, what they did not mean by that was that if you do certain things, you get more grace, okay? That's not what they meant. Uh, what they meant was that all of the grace that Jesus has already given us on the cross, uh, like we can experience kind of the fullness of his love, and that we can experience the love that already exists, the grace that already exists, um, by following certain practices, but as we get into this, what I've noticed we tend to do as humans, and maybe I'm the only one, okay, but I don't think so, uh, what we tend to do is we say, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And so we're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get with the new Bible reading plan, right? So I got my Bible reading plan. I go out and I buy, I drop the coin on like a nice new Bible, and I get those like special pens that don't bleed through the page. And I got my, I got my sweet little devotional. I'm like, okay, I got it all set out. I got my candles ready. I set my alarm for like 4 a.m. Like this is going to be great. Just me and Jesus, 4 a.m., all my sweet new stuff. I go to bed, the alarm, beep. Snooze, right? Not happening. Jesus can wait till later. <laughs> I've signed up for three marathons in my life. Twice I paid for them. Paid $100. Never ran one. Okay? Am I alone? Am I like the only one that's ever said I'm going to do something and then not done it? Okay, that's fine. It's fine. You can make me be that guy. I'll be that guy, but I know you're lying. I'm afraid that as we kind of begin these practices, and we're, we're going to talk about practices this morning, and then in each one of these buckets we're going to talk about other practices, my, my fear is, is that um, we are going to try to climb a mountain in tennis shoes and we're going to fail. We're going to sign up to run a marathon and none of us are actually going to do it. Like we're, we're, It's not going to actually happen. Um, and I just don't want that for you. And I, I don't want that for me. And so my challenge, before we get into the practices this morning, I just want to kind of lay this word of warning. Um, man, there, there must, must be a people who kind of wade gently into this. And, and the goal of every practice, the goal of every spiritual discipline ever that has ever been, kind of the, 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 the traditional spiritual disciplines are things like the reading of the word and prayer, silence and solitude, uh, fasting. These are, these are the traditional spiritual Sabbath, traditional disciplines. Uh, and as we wade into these, if you're like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it. I'm going I'm to get up at 4 a.m. and I'm going to read the word. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray all day, every day. It's like, no, you're not. We're all at different places in this journey. And, and there's, there's things that we can strive for in our life. But I, we need to wade into this. And we had, must remind ourselves that the goal of every discipline, hear, hear me, listen to me, the goal of every discipline must be love. The goal of every discipline is love. And it's not his love, it's your love. Right? I said earlier, right, this idea of means of grace or means of flourishing. You can't get more love from God. He's already given it all to you. Like there's no possible way to gain more love or gain more grace or gain more favor or gain more good stuff from the God of all things. You can't. He's already given it all to you. But what we can do in order to experience the life that Jesus has on offer for us is increase our love and our affection for him. 
That's the goal of spiritual disciplines. That's the goal of spiritual practices and the means of grace, the means of flourishing, is to increase our love for him. Now, some of you in the room are saying, wait, hold on, hold on. I thought this was like all grace. Like I thought, no, no, no. In fact, you've talked about this, Josh. Like we're saved by grace through faith, right? Not by works, so no one may boast. Like Paul talks about that in Ephesians. Like what, do you, what is this? You're saying I have to do stuff now? There's a quote by Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard is a, kind of what was an American theologian, philosopher. He says, man, grace is not opposed to effort. It's not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning, Okay. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Uh, there's nothing that you're going to do in order to gain more of God's love and affection. But at the same time, there are things that we can do. There's effort that we can put forth to create and cultivate within us a greater desire and a greater affection for our God. And that's, that is something that is required if we're going to experience the life that Jesus has on offer. There's an effort that we must put forth in, in our faith, in this in this path of flourishing, if we're going to experience the life that Jesus has on offer for us. Uh, and the Word talks about this, right? Um, I have no idea where I am right now. First uh, Timothy, uh, Paul talks to Timothy about this. He says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself. There is an effort that you need to put forth, not so you can get more for God, so that you can grow in godliness. Train yourself. Uh, James talked about it. Actually, James is kind of the famous one. He says, man, faith without works is dead. But he says this, too, in James 1, 22. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There are things that we need to implement into our lives that train us up for righteousness that increase our affections for our God. I want to talk about two of them this morning, two practices for beholding Jesus, okay? I'm going to give you two practices. These are not new. These are not revolutionary. These are things that you've heard of before. Even if you've never stepped foot in church before, you've heard of these two things, okay? They've been around for well over 2,000 years, okay? Well over 2,000 years. The first is this. We behold Jesus through his word, we behold Jesus through his word, okay? We, we must, we must behold Jesus through his word. Um, and there's only one word, right? The, the Bible is the word of God. It is the only word of God. There's no other source uh, that God has given us where we can behold him. There's nothing else. Uh, the Bible is the source uh, that God has given us to, f to learn about him. Now, there are, there are many ways that we can, we can learn about God outside of the Bible, but the way that he has given us, the gift that he has given us is this book. Now, the reality is, it's not just one book, right? Um, it's, it's a compilation of many, 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 many different works, 66 different works to be exact, right, that make up the word of God, the one singular sacred text that God has given us, this unbelievable gift that he has given us, is 66 different works. It was written over a period of 1,500 years, right, 40 different authors, okay, 40 different authors, all different walks of life. Some of them were kings, some of them were fishermen, uh, some of them were uh, prophets, some of them were tent makers, right, uh, and everything in between. Most of them never met each other. They didn't know anything about them, about each other. Uh, but what they knew was God, and God breathed through them the words that we find on every single page in this text. 
It is the most accurate historical ancient work that has ever been written, and, and there's no scholar that will disagree with me on that anywhere in the world. It's insane how unbelievably sovereignly protected this work has been by God for thousands of years. And he's given it to us as an unbelievable gift. It is, when it comes to seeking Jesus, this book is the primary way in which he has made information concerning himself available to us. But that's not its full purpose. Let me say that again. The Bible, when it comes to beholding Jesus, the Bible is the primary means in which the God of all things has made information concerning himself available to you and I. But that's really not its full purpose. And, and that's, that's part of the problem. Part of the problem is, is that for so many of us, we have been reading the Bible for information, to, to know more about God. Um, this week in our Bible reading plan, for those of you who weren't here last week, uh, we launched this Path of Flourishing Bible reading plan. Um, and so for every month, if you, if you want one of these, they're, they're right over here in this room. After the gathering, you can grab one. Um, there's a couple, there's a couple uh, things that kind of describe the reading plan for you. Um, and then there's, there's a bookmark for every single month of the year that has our reading plan in it. And so for September here, uh, this week, uh, we've been in Psalm 119. So every single day, there's um, an Old Testament passage, a psalm, and then two to three New Testament passages that are repeated every single day for three days. Okay, so we're reading the same New Testament passage every day for three days. And then what I said last week, and kind of the same thing today, um, is that Man, it, depending on where you are, don't try to jump into this and be like, okay, I, I'm going to read the whole thing every day, right? Some of you have been reading the Bible every single day. You've been getting up at 4 a.m. every day, and you've been reading the Word every single day, um, and you're like, that's no big deal for me. Some of you, um, you haven't read the Bible for years. Some of you have never really read the Bible. Um, if you try to jump into this and climb a mountain in tennis shoes, okay, it's just not going to work out. And so maybe for you, it's just the psalm, or maybe for you, it's just that New Testament text, um, and just kind of easing into it, and just a little bit more, a little bit more as the years go on, um, developing a greater and greater affection for Christ through the reading of his word. But here, here's where I'm going with this. So in Psalm 119, which is one of our readings for this week, Psalm 119, verse 33 and 34 says this. The psalmist reveals something beautiful about the word of God. He says this. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Okay. Let's do this. Verse 34. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Where's the law? If I want to go find the law, I want to go read the law and learn about the law, where's the law? Not a trick question. Generalities are good. Yeah. Old Testament, good enough. Yeah, it's in the Bible, okay? If I want to read the law of the Lord, I go to his word, right? 
Now, look at verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. If I want to find the statutes of the Lord, where do I go to find his statutes? The word. I go to his word. I go to the Bible, right? It's the primary source of information concerning himself. If I want to read about the law and read about the statutes, then I go to the word. Now, here's the thing. The psalmist has this memorized. He's got it memorized, He has the law of the Lord memorized. He has the statutes of the Lord memorized. He knows the word. And so what does he say? Where does he go? Teach me, O Lord. He goes to God. Give me understanding. If he wants understanding, if he wants to learn, where does he go? He goes to God. Here's what I want you to see. And, and the, the psalmist just does this naturally. Okay, I don't think this, this is a point that he's trying to get across. It just comes out as he writes because it's normal for him. The word of God is meant to be opened with God. The, the word of God is meant to be opened with God. Um, it's like the dad who buys the Lego Death Star for his five-year-old. Okay? You guys know what I'm talking about? The Lego Death Star, it's like $500. Not like $500, it's $500. And I just saw recently they came out with the Millennium Falcon. It's, it's like $800. It's like, what in the world? Right? But what dad, what, what dad buys that for his five-year-old, right? No five-year-old can build a Death Star, okay? Like, you know he can't do it, and, right? And, and mom is standing there in the checkout line like, I don't think this is it. And he's like, no, like, it's fine. Like, we're doing this. And he, like, shells out 500 bucks and buys the Lego Death Star, right? And he brings it home. He's like... Son, look what I got. And his boy's eyes just get as big as saw. He's like, this is amazing. Now, the kid has no hope. The kid has no hope of putting this thing together. There's no way he could possibly do it. But, but he's like, this is awesome. And dad just lights up. He's like, I know. And they put it on the kitchen table. They clear everything off, right? And they begin to pull out like bag after bag after bag of Legos and all the instructions. They got it laid out. And they begin to build this thing together. And this doesn't just take, like, hours. This takes days to build. It's massive. $500. It better take me days to build, right? And dad and son are spending time. And as as it forms, like, they're just, they're so into it. It's so amazing. It's so much fun. Like, this is incredible that we're doing. We're building this together. The reason dad buys the Lego Death Star against the advice of his wife, which is probably good advice, is to see his boy and to do this together. Right, if you just buy this thing and you give it to your five-year-old, man, that is frustration for months. Lost Legos everywhere. It's never going to get done. It will never happen. Dad buys it to do it with his boy. That's why he does it. That's why he does it. You see, God has given you an incredible gift that is meant to be open with him. And for so many of us, we've been reading the Bible for years for information not intimacy. And so while we might be able to quote chapters and verses, while on the outside it might look like we know a lot of information about God, on the inside we are weary and we are tired just like everyone else because we've developed information and not intimacy. And so this this is really my challenge for you this morning in the first practice. The goal of every practice is what? 
Okay, let's start over at the beginning. I'm going to go back here. Love, people, it's love. The goal of every practice is love, our love for him. The goal of your reading cannot be information. It must be intimacy. We must grow in our intimacy with God. We must invite God into the reading of his word. Otherwise, we are going to grow in information and frustration at the same time. We're going to continue to be tired and weary if we're reading for information and not intimacy. And so we sit down with the word. We fix our gaze on the source of all human flourishing. We begin to ask God to join us to help us behold him through his word. I believe that if you do not engage God in the reading of his word, you can't have a flourishing relationship with Jesus. You, the word of God is designed to cultivate intimacy with the God of all things. And so that's my, that's my first challenge to this morning, is to be a people who begin to pursue the word of God, every single day in your life. It doesn't have to be a ton. You don't have to do the full Bible reading plan. Maybe it's, just, maybe it's just one chapter a day. But we do it with the God of all things, for intimacy, not for information. The second practice I want to give you this morning is this, revolutionary. Prayer. All right, no one's ever heard of that before, I know. Uh, prayer. No, 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 we've all heard of prayer before, but I, I want to talk about a different type of prayer. You see, most of us in this room, when we think of prayer, right, uh, we think of going to God and, and asking him to help us with things or asking him to help our family with things or asking him to, and Father, I, I just need you uh, to help me with this thing in my job or this thing with my kids or this thing with my spouse. I need you to help my friend who's going through cancer. I need you to help my, my parents who are sick or I need you to help my, my friend who just lost his job. I need, I need you to help me with this. Um, and so when we, when we talk about this idea of, of kind of pray, as Paul says, praying without ceasing, we're like, nah, that, that didn't work, right? In like five minutes, I run out of things to like ask him for. Um, my wife, Desiree, is, is the most unbelievable woman on the planet. Sorry, ladies, but you all fall short, okay? I, I don't know how, but I, I tricked her. I did. I, I totally fooled her into marrying me. Um, it's been, it's been, it's incredible. She's unbelievably beautiful, but the thing is, she's also unbelievably smart. She's brilliant, right? Uh, she proofread every paper I wrote in grad school, every single one. I'm like, hey, babe, I have another 20-page paper. Can you read that over? She knows more theology than, like, than I do because she read it all. Like, she, wrote every, she read everything I wrote, and she proofread everything I, I did. And, um, I mean, she knows, she knows so unbelievably much. She knows not only the English language, but she knows, like, computer code and, like, all this, like, crazy nerdy stuff. And she just knows so unbelievably much. She's brilliant. She's also incredibly organized. Like, she keeps our family calendar. She knows exactly what's going on um, on different days of the week. And even further out, she's thinking, hey, here's some things that we need to be thinking about, like, that are coming up for our family out there in the distance, in the future. Uh, she knows everything that's going on. Like, I'll, like, lose something. I'm like, hey, have you seen this thing? She's like, oh, yeah. It got kicked underneath the boy's uh, dresser, like, a month ago. I'm like, how do you know that? <laughs> it might be witchcraft, but I'm okay with it, Okay. Here's the reality. It was like, what, what if the extent of our relationship, and the reality, all the time I'm asking Des for help. 
Like, hey, can you help me with this thing? Can you help me, can you help me with this project? Hey, can you read this over for me? Hey, where did you put this? Hey, where did I put that? Hey, hey, what's going on this weekend? Hey, uh, what airline are we flying? Hey, where are we going? Hey, what's happening all the time? Imagine if that's all we ever did. Imagine if that was the extent of our relationship. How much intimacy would there be there? And so for those of you who have struggled to cultivate a prayer life, how much intimacy is there for you there between you and your God? That's like one of those pastor questions that only pastors can ask because you're just like, oh, just punch me in the stomach, right? But it's true. It's true. Like we struggle in this like weariness and this tiredness and we're like dry. But the reality is when it comes to prayer, we're just going to say, hey, um, here's... Would you just bless our meal and thank you for my family? And all right, we're good. You see, when it comes to Desiree, my favorite thing to do with with Des is just to be with her. Like, sometimes she's like folding laundry and I'll just come sit and fold laundry because I like to fold laundry. No, nobody likes to fold laundry. I just want to be with my wife. Or she's doing something, or she's working on a project for work, and I was kind of like, I'm sit by her, and I'll try to find something else to do, like, while I'm just with her. Like, my most favorite, like, memories of marriage are times when we've just, like, gone off and done something together. Like, we went on a backpacking trip, and for days, we just, like, walked together. Like, that was, that was incredible. Like, that was, that was amazing, uh, just, just to be with her. And so, what would it look like if we cultivated this prayer life where we were just with Jesus? Like, no, no strings attached. Like, I don't need anything from you. You don't need anything from me. Like, we're just, we're just with each other. Uh, Brother Lawrence, uh, Brother Lawrence, in the 1600s, Brother Lawrence was a French Catholic monk. Okay, crazy. Uh, in the 1600s, Brother Lawrence, uh, he, was, he went into the monastery uh, as an uneducated man. He, he wasn't uh, smart enough or educated enough to be a priest. Uh, he wasn't allowed to be a priest. He couldn't be like a cardinal or a bishop or anything like that. But he wanted to give his life to the Lord. He wanted to serve the Lord. And so he shows up at the monastery. He's like, I want to give my life to the Lord. And they're like, okay, well, you are qualified to do nothing. So here's the dishes. Um, and so he takes a job in this monastery washing dishes and cooking food. And he's, he works in the kitchen. And he gives his life to practicing and in this, this, this practice of, of living with a constant awareness of the presence of God. Okay, this is what he does. This is what he's known for. He gives his life to practicing a conscious awareness of the presence of God. Now, that does not mean that he increases God's presence in his life. As I said earlier, you are never going to get anything more from God because he's already given you everything. He is fully present, right? C.S. Lewis says um, in his letters to Malcolm, he says, we may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito. This room is crowded with the presence of the almighty God. He is here right now. He is nearer to you than anything else in this world. He is right now with us. As I speak, he listens. And as you listen, he listens with you. 
Brother Lawrence says, I want to live every moment of my life in that awareness right now, that we're having right now, that awareness. I want to increase my awareness of his preexistent presence. I want to always be aware that he is with me. I want to always be aware that he is right now nearer to me than anything else in this world. And so Brother Lawrence begins to live this out um, in Throughout his life, these other kind of more educated Catholic priests and bishops and cardinals kind of become aware of this cook like in the kitchen doing his thing. And they're like, hey, tell me more about this. And they begin, 1600s, they begin writing letters back and forth to each other. Um, and at the end of Brother Lawrence's life, all of these letters, or most of these letters, are compiled into a book um, called Practicing the Presence of God. And I want to read you some quotes from this book this morning. Here, here's what he says. In order to form a habit of communing with God continually and committing everything we do to him, we must first make a special effort. Remember, grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. We must make a special effort. After a while, we find that his love inwardly inspires us to do all things for him effortlessly. In the beginning for us, there must be a special effort. We, we must organize our lives around the practices of Jesus. We, we must make a special effort to, to work hard, right? So for me, I've been, I've been trying to do this practicing the presence of God uh, for a few months now. And it's been kind of up and down. It's not easy, okay? It's not something that you, you are not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, okay, I'm going to spend all, every moment of my day, from the moment my eyes awake to the moment my eyes close in bed, um, in, in the awareness of the presence of God, it's way harder than you think. Like I set an alarm on my phone uh, for, the, for every hour of the day, the top of the hour, every single day, okay? Every hour, this, this alarm, just a little vibration in my pocket. Nobody knows what's going on, okay? Um, I'm like, okay, presence of God, Pre presence of God. There's a special effort that must take place. Must take place. I'm like, okay, how, how long can I practice this? How long can I do this? And as we grow in this, what happens is our love and our affection for Jesus, because love is the goal, our affection for Christ increases, and this becomes easier and easier and easier until Brother Lawrence says, effortless, effortless. He says this, he says, many people do not advance in the Christian life, do not flourish, do not find the life that Jesus has on offer, because they get stuck and penances and particular spiritual exercises, they neglect the love of God, which is the goal. We've been saying that the whole time. This could be seen plainly by their works and was the reason why we see so little solid virtue. Again, same thing we've been saying the whole time. If we're reading for information, not intimacy, if we're praying for stuff rather than intimacy, right? We're doing all of these things. We're doing and we're doing and we're doing and we're doing, but love has never been the actual goal. Intimacy has never been the actual goal. And so we never advance. We never actually flourish because we have no real intimacy. As you fall more in love with Jesus, the moments that you simply spend with him become sweeter than the moments that you need something from him. He goes on. Here's another one for you. Uh, and this is, this is kind of the famous one uh, from Brother Lawrence. He says, the time of work, he said, is not different for me than the time of prayer. In the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several people are calling out at the same time for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility 
as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. Now think about that for a second. 16th century Catholic monk. The blessed sacrament for Catholics is the literal body and blood of Christ. Okay, we don't believe that here at Flourishing Grace, but um, for Catholics, the literal body and blood. Like, he's saying, when I'm in the kitchen, okay, and people are like, Brother Lawrence, get those dishes washed. Hey, we got an order up. We got an order up. Hey, some monks just came in and sat down. Get them their food. Come on, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. God is nearer to me in that moment. It just is near in that moment as when I am on my knees before the blessed sacrament. Can you imagine? Now, some of you in the room have a two-year-old, and you're like, no, no, you don't know. That's worse than being in the kitchen with a bunch of angry, hungry monks. Some of you have a boss that's a tyrant. You're like, no, you don't understand. Like at work, there is no, the presence of God, he might be everywhere, the world might be crowded with him, but not in my office. He doesn't hang out there. Um, no, he does. He does. And, and if, we can, if we can practice the presence, if we can increase our awareness of his preexistent presence, we can actually train ourselves to be praying continuously, as Paul says, to be living in the midst of his presence, to be with him all day, every day, even when things are crazy, even when there's just chaos and people are screaming, two-year-olds just destroying things. We can be as near to God as before the Blessed Sacrament. It's amazing. All right. Here's another one. Let him, that's you and me, think of God as often as he can. Let him gradually develop within himself this small but sacred practice. Nobody notices it. And nothing is easier than to repeat these little internal adorations often every day. Okay, listen, here's what he says. This is easy. I'm here to tell you, it's, it's not as easy as you think. It's simple, but it's not easy, okay? It's simple. Like, it's simple to do, right? I said earlier, I put an alarm on my phone for, the, for one, every hour of the day, kind of during my day, just to, to recall my mind back to the presence of God, okay? I need to increase my awareness of his presence, like when you're in a room and all of a sudden somebody walks in and you don't really know that they're there, but they're, they've been there the whole time, and you turn around and say, oh, they're, they're there. Or you just kind of become aware that they're there. I need to increase my awareness of his presence. Nobody knows. Nobody knows I'm doing this. Nobody knows that we're increasing our awareness of the presence of God. We're just, we're just doing it, okay? We're increasing our awareness of his presence. It's simple. It's small. Just saying, okay, God is right here. He is with me. I praise you. I praise you for being so good to me and so sweet to me and so kind to me for all the joy that you've given in my life. And I try to live in that, I try to live in that awareness of his presence for as long as I possibly can. Sometimes, friends, I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's been like less than a minute. It's like total failure. Sometimes it's like, okay, I made like 15 minutes. Like, that's really good for me. Like, 15 minutes is like solid for me. Some of you are like, that's pathetic. Like, it's good for me, Okay. We're all kind of different places in this journey, and we're all kind of working on this together. And so this is the practicing the presence of God, fixing our gaze on Jesus, beholding Jesus, right? Increasing our love for the, for the God of all things by beholding the glory of his Son, knowing that he is nearer to us than anything in this world, knowing that he's given his life for us, knowing that at all times, every day, there's no more love, there's no more grace, there's no more delight that he could possibly give to us because he gave it all to us on the cross. 
In the death of his son, all grace, all love, all kindness was given to us. It was given to us right there. We have everything that we can have. We just need to turn our gaze towards it and behold it so that our affection for him might increase. I'm going to give you one more quote from Brother Lawrence. Um, and then here's what we're going to do. On your way out today, uh, we want to give you a copy of Practicing the Presence. We just think it's that valuable. And so for every, every household, one per household, we don't have a, we don't have a ton of them, one, one per household, our lead shepherds will be in the back. They're just going to give you a copy of Practicing the Presence and say, hey, we're passionate about you having a flourishing relationship with Jesus. And whatever we can do to, to, to help you do that, we're, we're going to do that. And so we want to give you one of those on your way out. I'm going to give you one more quote by Brother Lawrence. Here's what he says. Do not forget him. Meditate on him often. Adore him continually. Live and die with him. This is the glorious vocation of a Christian. Friends, if you are here today and you are in Christ, you've given your life to him, you've begun the path of flourishing, the call on your life, your vocation, your job is to fix your gaze on him, to behold Jesus. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we come before you this morning knowing that you are here, knowing that you are with us, you are present in this place. You are as near to me as anything is. You're right next to me. And so we turn our awareness of your presence towards you. And I ask that you would move in this place, that you'd move in our hearts, that you'd be with our people, that you would, that you would turn up their awareness of your presence that they would experience the power of your spirit in their life, that they would begin the simple practices, that they, would be, that they would be a people of the word, not for the sake of information, but for intimacy, that they would be a people of prayer, not for the sake of gaining more, but for just being with Jesus. Would you help us to implement this in our life every moment of every day, as we walk the path of flourishing together as a family. I pray these things in your sweet name. In the name of Jesus, amen.